Hello, creators. Save the date for our 2024 Creator Circle Retreat happening September 23rd through 26th in Vancouver, Washington, United States. Registration is open and the early bird deadline is March 15th. The 2024 Creator Circle Retreat will be four days of restoration and rejuvenation for yourself and your business. And you can find all of the details at wellnesscentercreators.com slash retreats, where you can also click to apply. As always, feel free to email with questions anytime at kendall at wellnesscentercreators.com. And lastly, it's important to note that the retreat is limited to 20 people and everyone from last year is getting ready to register again. So jump on it. As health and wellness providers, we know that better patient outcomes require a whole person, multidisciplinary approach that we just can't provide on our own. That's why I've started the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. I'll be bringing you interviews with experts, tips, tricks, secrets, resources, systems, and solutions so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. And creating your wellness center won't feel like starting over. Many of you are familiar with the name, but if it's new to you, Jane is a HIPAA-compliant, all-in-one practice management software and the sponsor of our show today. The team at Jane know your time is valuable, and they've designed online intake forms to help you reduce admin work so that you can take back your treatment time. Whether you need to collect patient or client data, insurance policy information, health history, or consents, Jane's online intake forms offer a safe and secure way to gather everything you need before your patients walk through the door. You can also collect payment details securely through your intake form via Jane's PCI compliant payment solution, saving your patients time at checkout. To learn more about how Jane's intake forms can help, head to jane.app guide to book a one-on-one -on -one demo with a member of their team. If you're ready to get started, you can use the code wellness1mo at the time of sign up to get a one month grace period applied to your new account. Welcome back everyone to the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. Today on the show, I'm in the hot seat and coach Anna Rudell is going to be interviewing me today. So welcome, Anna, and I'll let you take it away. Well, welcome back, everyone. As Kendall said, our guest today needs no introduction, but nevertheless, Kendall, welcome to the other side of the mic. Please reintroduce yourself and tell me a little bit about you. Well, I'm Kendall Hagenson, and let's see where to begin. I think the short version is if people haven't listened to the show before, or they haven't interacted with wellness and our creators before. I am a somatic psychotherapist by trade and dance movement therapist. And I started a multidisciplinary healthcare clinic in 2016. It's called Vancouver Wellness Studio. And we're in Vancouver, Washington, United States. And, you know, over the years, I started doing a lot of consulting and coaching just kind of organically as people wanted guidance when they were creating their wellness business or their wellness center. 
And during the pandemic, I started doing that uh, more officially and started Wellness Center Creators, uh, which kind of has grown into a team of coaches, which Anna is part of our Wellness Center Creators coaching team. And we provide coaching consultation for wellness business owners and healthcare providers who are wanting to create wellness centers and multidisciplinary practices and all the things. And that comes in different forms. So present day, um, I am overseeing uh, my team here at BWS and helping to run our clinic um, and also doing the coaching thing. Fabulous. And you, you know, you're an inspiration, which is why I'm so happy to get you on the hot seat today, Kendall, because we've got many questions to ask you. The first, uh, not least, did you have your lunch? It's 1230. It's 1230. I ate lunch at 1030. At 10:30, And what did you have? Chili. Was it good? It was delicious. My husband mm-hmm. made it in the crock mm-hmm. pot. And uh, my husband is a great cook and it was yummy. And I eat, I eat pretty early. Do you eat at 1030 every day? A lot of times when I'm at work, I do because I eat breakfast for those that care. I I get up at 430 in the morning on purpose and I eat breakfast usually at 6am. So, you know, 1030 is, is a good time after that to eat, eat again. And so when you're up at 4.30, what are you doing between 4.30 and 6? Variety of things, mostly <laughs> <laughs> getting ready to go. So I have, I have two little kids at home. They are six and, well, they're almost six. Um, oldest one just turned nine and the younger one will turn six in a month. And they get up pretty early, 6 a.m., 6.30 a.m., So it's important to me to have time to myself. And I've always been more of a morning person having energy in the morning versus the evening. So I choose to get up before them so that I can have quiet to myself and get myself ready before assisting them because they they're still at ages where they're not, you know, doing everything on their own to get ready Mm -hmm. for school. Incredible. 4.30. Incredible. And what's your favorite sip of the day? Is it my that first sip of coffee? Is oh, it that? <laughs> like what? Is that a British thing? Um, <laughs> uh, I am, I, I love tea and uh, green tea in particular. And I drink tea every day and I collect mugs and it's a ritual for me. And mm. um yeah, that's a part of my everyday. Not a coffee drinker then? I've never been a coffee drinker. I My body doesn't do well with caffeine. So I have always tended towards tea. Me too. Me too, except that need the coffee in the morning. But my favorite sip is the 3 p.m. cup of tea with milk, if you please. It's the only way to go. So Kendall, I'm curious about your evolution as a practice slash business owner. It's very unusual, I'd say, for practice owners to go about building their own business in a way that doesn't center them as a primary practitioner and therefore the primary income earner. Tell me more about that. Yes. So for those who are first listeners on the podcast, 
a big part of my story, a big part of why I created Vancouver Wellness Studio, why I became a therapist is because of my own health journey, uh, journey with illness rather, which is, I think, pretty common for practitioners. Um, But for those who don't know, I have lived with MS, multiple sclerosis for many, many years um, since 2006. So when I was visioning this practice and started creating it, I knew the smartest thing that I've ever done as a business owner is create this business to run without me from the beginning. And I didn't really realize from a business perspective how important that was at the time. I was doing it originally rather selfishly, but also so that patients could still receive care if I was sick and I couldn't provide it myself. So the original design of the clinic was so that it would be self-sustaining. And if I couldn't be there, if I needed to be out, you know, the way that MS works with relapsing remitting MS is that you have periods of exacerbation where the illness is you know, in a flare. um, And then you have periods of remission. And so at that time, especially, um, I was still at a point where my illness in my illness where I wasn't really sure of that pattern for myself and when I would have to take time away. And in the earlier years of having MS and having that experience and learning about, you know, what that means for my body, it would be periods of time of relapse where, you know, it might be three months Mm. where I wouldn't be, uh, have the capacity to work. And that's, that's become different present day. But um, at the time, it felt really important that the clinic could run and be self-sustaining without me actually seeing clients and and contributing revenue. How did you learn that? Did it come from within? Did you read a book? I did not read a book. Uh, (laughs) I don't know that there was a book. I think from a young age, I have always been a very inquisitive person and just very like vigilant and aware of, of human behavior. Mm -hmm. And so I would watch other people going through hard things and notice how they were doing it and what worked and what didn't work. Mm -hmm. And so I just, it was really through observation that Mm -hmm. I, you know, when I was finally diagnosed that I was in college, I was in my undergrad and I was, you know, (laughs) taking way too many classes and doing the whole thing and trying to overachieve at all of it. And I, I learned that lesson for myself, I think during that early period of, I have to, I'm going to have to do my life differently than how I've done it until now you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to have to be more intentional about the way things are set up so that I can function and, and still, you know, live in my passion and, and contribute to society and all of those things. It's incredible. It's so unusual 
to see that because I think most of us find that we're the pra- well, you start off practicing for yourself, don't you? And then over time realize that it's unsustainable to be the primary income earner and to continue in the way that you're working. And so the way that you've set things up is is the right way from the get-go, I would say. But do you miss do you feel like you've missed the opportunity to be that primary practitioner or do you feel that you're giving Not at more? All. Mm. Not at all. Um, well, so I had the gift of my diagnosis as a 20-year-old person. Mm. And before I went to graduate school and before I started my business. And so by the time I started my business, I had a bit of a better grasp on how I wanted to experience my own work life. And so while I set up the clinic to be self-sustaining, I also set up my own private practice, uh, my own caseload at the same time that was separate. Mm. And which allowed that to be as flexible as it needed to. But I, I worked for 10 years as a therapist and uh, before I phased out of seeing therapy clients. And so you know, when I graduated from my master's, I was six weeks pregnant with my oldest daughter when I walked across the stage and I didn't know I was pregnant with her yet. And so I all, you know, I had just gotten my degree and we, we had planned to have her and we wanted to have her, but it happened sooner than we expected. And, but I started a private practice when I was pregnant and it was very small. And then I had her and took a bit of time off. But I realized uh, after I had her that I, I really, really wanted to work. And I wanted to build my practice. And I wanted to see clients. And I wanted to dive in and use the skill set that I had just gone to school right. and learned. So I f- have felt that I I really, you know, in those 10 years, I I got to really fully experience that as a provider. When you were envisaging Vancouver Wellness, did you envisage the center that you have today or was it more of an organic growth? Both. The original vision, I still have the vision board that I made during graduate school and it has like all these progressions of the business on it. And I, I'll look at it like once a year and it makes me so happy because the picture that I chose for our movements, you know, to represent, oh, I want to have a movement studio in my center. It looks almost exactly like the one we have, but I don't remember going back to that vision board to say, oh, I, I'm designing the studio after this, but it had just been imprinted. <laughs> like it's the same juxtaposition. It's the same layout. It's 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 fun to look back and see the pro- progression but the the original vision i would say is more a uh, present day is the is really the full realization of that vision in the beginning vws was structured as more of a collective and, or a collaborative and everyone rented a room and they ran their own business but we agreed to collaborate and we had ways of doing that but I learned really really quickly that I actually wanted a business and I wanted mm-hmm. em- 
you know, a team of people who are working towards a common goal and the collective wasn't that. And it, it worked really well in a lot of ways. And it was because it was the right people. Mm. But then there were huge gaps where we couldn't really fully provide this collaborative healthcare in the way that was envisioned because of the structure. So uh, we began changing that structure after six months of being open slowly but surely over the years. And present day, we're um, an all W2 team. Fantastic. How many are on your team total? We have just about 18 right now, I believe. Is that including admin staff as well, or is yeah. that 18 practitioners? Yeah, that includes mm-hmm. me. That includes me okay. and our admin and I think 16 employees. Okay. Okay. And and now you have a team to manage different aspects of your business. Can you talk uh-huh. us through that? Sure. So we have a leadership team. And so there's a core leadership team. Uh, myself, our, uh, I'm the clinical director of our healthcare location. We have a second location that is an integrative spa location. And so uh, we ha- our spa director is also part of the leadership team. And then we have a medical director. And so there's three of us who are core leadership. And then we have team leads who are an extension of our leadership team. And they are helping to support and sustain and grow their modalities, kind of like their departments. So acupuncture team lead, massage team lead, mental health team lead, uh, naturopathic team lead, who, you know, also happens to be the medical director. So uh, lots of kind of dual roles and different hats, as is the nature of small businesses. And then we have an office manager, at our healthcare location, uh, who's at the front desk and then has um, other duties as well. We have a wellness concierge at our front desk at our spa location. Uh, we have a marketing coordinator and executive dis- uh, assistant um, who does a lot of things. And then we, you know, we contract out and hire out for other support you know, things like website and uh, attorneys and CPA and all those things. But those are, that's our team in-house. The mind boggles, Kendall, when you talk about the locations and the numbers of teams and the leads and the numbers of meetings you have. How many days of of work a week is a healthy goal, Kendall, for you, given (laughs) what you've got going on? How many, how many working days a week is, is the goal? Listen, I'm going to be honest with everyone. <laughs> Here's the deal. Mm. I I come to my office three days a week. And and that's very consistent. I, I really only come to my office three days a week. I work a lot from home. I don't see clients from home, uh, coaching clients typically. Uh, but I do a lot of back-end stuff from home, a lot of emails, and am available for support and those types of things. But I come to my office three days a week. All right. I think that I think that that's very reasonable, to be honest. I think it's very reasonable for keeping things running. But yeah, I work a lot of hours. If we, if I really kept track of the hours, it would be a lot. Yeah, yeah. I know we've talked about it because um, 
Kendall is my coach and uh, we've talked about it where I have said that office days tend to be much less productive because I spend my entire time flitting around talking to people and it's taken <laughs> Kendall to point out that actually that is the work in those moments and Absolutely. making those connections. Do you yeah. find the same thing or or do you buckle down during your three days at the office? Well, in my three days at the office, I do have a lot of meetings and with my staff and mm-hmm. also sessions with coaching clients. Um, but I do prioritize mm-hmm. having blocks that I don't have a meeting or a session where I can have my door open to support our team. But I meet every week with our leadership team. I meet every week with our marketing coordinator and I meet individually with our other director. And so um, it's a lot of interaction supporting staff. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I find it it's very important to as owners, depending on your goal of what you want your role to be in the company. But if your role is to be leading your team, it's important to physically be there. Mm. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because one of the things I've battled with over the years is loneliness as an owner. We get to create this beautiful thing, but in many ways we don't get to be we don't get to enjoy it in the same way as as our crew do. Do you experience that? And if so, how do you fill your cup? Yeah. Yeah, I've definitely experienced that over the years. There are many people who would say that my leadership style and the the structure of our team and how we do things is unorthodox and it's not how they've experienced it at other places and that's on purpose and that comes with a light and a shadow my style of leading is transparent and vulnerable it's still professional i try to kind of walk that line um but it's important to me to have real human relationships with our whole team and mm-hmm. not in an inappropriate way uh, of employer and employee, but just actually knowing that person and mm-hmm. caring about that person. But it's kind of one way sometimes, isn't it? It's one way that? a lot of times. Mm-hmm. It's one way a lot of times. And that's it. I remind myself often that, you know, I've chosen this path. And I, it's really a privilege to be in this role and lead the team and to step back and witness. I like to just kind of watch patients come out of treatment rooms. It's mm. the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. And to just kind of sit back and see what we've created and what these amazing providers are doing every day to impact people's lives. And and so that helps fill my cup. Wellness Center Creators is, you know, it was at the time I felt like I was going, when I was creating it originally, I was going towards something that people were asking for. And so at that point it was like, okay, they need help and they're asking for it. I'm going to, I'm going to help them. And then I realized quickly like, oh, this is also what I need. This is a community mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. clinic owners and you know, you and I were uh, both facilitating at the Creator Circle retreat that we put on in September, mm-hmm. this past September. And when the retreat was over, I mean, I realized it during it. It was three days. 
at the end of the last day, I remember feeling like, oh man, I want to do this all the time. Really? And part of it was to be in a room with all owners. Yeah. Like, you know, what, 20 people that wanted to be there. They yeah. chose this. They were, mm. they wanted to participate in every part of it. Mm. Right? It was powerful. It was powerful. Everyone was on time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right? And on for, for the whole time. For each part of it. It was mm-hmm. like, we take a break, be back at this time. Everyone's there, ready to learn, right? That's a different energy than a, a team of employees. And it's not negative towards employees. Mm-hmm. It's just that it's a different energy, right? Well, it's a well, different experience, isn't it? It's a totally different experience. And so that that's my community, right? As an owner, is like, yeah, I find community with providers because I'm still a provider at heart. And, you know, I connect with other providers, but it's a different community to be mm. with owners because it does, it gets lonely there. You know, we take a lot of, take on a lot of, what's the right word, Anna? <laughs> like, we have to hold a we, lot of space. We hold, we hold a lot of space. We hold a lot of things that aren't really ours, mm-hmm. right? But that are coming towards us. And, and we just have to hold it and let it go. And, um, and there are certain things, you know, that we don't share with our team because it's not, it's not their stress to hold or whatever it is. Um, so to answer your question in a very long winded way, yes, of course I get lonely. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, it's part of the experience, isn't it? But again, I think it's something that always surprises me and, and is a challenge in owning yeah. a business. But. And that's part of why I advocate for coaches for all of us. Mm-hmm. And I have my own coach that I work with very regularly. And we all need someone in our corner. We all need a cheerleader and that guide um, to to bounce things off of and, and uh, help us make sure we're feeling in alignment. Yeah. And the, I think the consistency is also key in having a coach, having that same person that you're accountable to and, and that holds your best interest at heart. You know, there's nothing else going on in that situation yeah. there for you, which I really appreciate. Thank you for joining us for part one of Anna Interviews Kendall. Join us next week for part two. See you there. Thanks so much for listening to the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Please visit our website at wellnesscentercreators.com for more show notes and additional episodes. By the way, I love hearing from listeners please send me an email at Kendall, K-E-N-D-A-L-L at wellnesscentercreators.com with your feedback. And if you send me a question, maybe I'll read it on the show anonymously, of course. Thanks so much again for listening and we'll catch you next time on the Wellness Center Creators Podcast.